we're going to continue um, a series that we started in the beginning of January, calling it Anchored. Just kind of, it's just kind of a series, just some stuff that's been on my heart. So it's, uh, it wasn't really a, a planned out series, but it's just some stuff on my heart trying to anchor us, pausing uh, the first few weeks of the year to, to just anchor us to God's story, God's mission, where we fit into all of that. Uh, and so um, the first week we, we talked about being a devoted church. We talked about what it means to kind of engage in some spiritual disciplines and habits um, and, and, and being devoted to those things. The second week we talked about being an expectant church, believing that God is still a God of signs and wonders and a God who fills us with joy, uh, a God who uh, knits us together, a God who saves people who uh, even are far from him. And then last week we talked about being a prodigal church. And by prodigal we mean lavish, over the top, seemingly reckless with the love of God towards others. Uh, and we looked at the parable of the prodigal son uh, last week. Uh, we really zeroed in and focused on the older brother of that story who was, who was the good boy. He was the self-righteous good boy who thought that because he was good that his father owed him and owed him more than what the father was giving to the younger brother and so we focused in on the older brother and said we don't want to be like that we don't want to be like that we want to be like the father who had a heart of compassion for the younger son who came home and I heard from some of you guys uh, after last week uh, texts and, and whatnot sharing that you know I felt convicted to have more love for a child or I had I, to, I, I reached out to a friend one person said who who I've been estranged from uh, to try to reconnect somebody that I've been angry at and frustrated with uh, because they're they haven't been dealing with a character flaw so I've been hearing from different people and so uh, praise God for that um, next week is a baptism week it's a celebration of new life Jesus you haven't gotten a hold it's it's a celebration of young lost sons and daughters coming home right that's what baptism celebrates uh, and so my hope at the end of this sermon is that more of you guys say yeah I want in on that I want to be a part of that I want to join in I want to get baptized next week I want to be part of that um, as we look at this story again, we're going to look at this story again, but we're going to zero in on the younger brother this week. Last week, the focus was on the older brother. This week, the focus is going to be on the, the younger brother in the story. Uh, because that could be some of you guys here today. You guys could be where that younger brother was, running from God, rebelling against God, uh, wayward. Maybe, maybe it's because you are just completely separated from God. You don't have a relationship with him. You never trusted in Jesus. Maybe for some of you, it's because you don't believe that stuff. You think that the stuff we're talking about here is fairy tale stuff, silly stuff, out there stuff. Maybe others of you are just distracted. You're living a distracted life. You're like, yeah, I'll get to that stuff another time. Meanwhile, I'm chasing other things that I think are going to bring fulfillment and happiness and joy to my life. Then there's still others who are separated from God because of shame. You're like, I wish I could come back to God. But I've screwed up too much, I've messed up too much, I've done too many things, and I think God doesn't want me back. So that could be one of you guys here today. And then there's those of us who, maybe we are followers of Jesus. We have a relationship with God, but there's an area of our life where we're in rebellion. Maybe there's one area of our life where we're, just, we're in rebellion. We're saying, no, God, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to do this one my way. Back in 2014, we did a series, you can actually listen to it on our website, called Respectable Sins, where we talked about the sins of the Bible that are very offensive to God, but that church people tend to wink at. Things like envy, unforgiveness, bitterness. So some of us might be 
we might have a little bit of that younger brother spirit in us rising up when it comes to those areas and we think no big deal no big deal i can hold on to this bitterness i can i can, I can be stuck in this stronghold of envy and so uh for all those groups for all those groups something is needed something called repentance and repentance is a word that people get confused about it has these weird churchy connotations to it and so if you hear that word repent some people what they hear is shape up behave better perform better go to church more that's not the idea of repentance my hope today is to change that for you to show you the bible's picture of repentance and how beautiful it's supposed to be how well, how, how, how much it's supposed to be like, oh, wow, I get to repent. Not you have to, but I get to. I get to. So we're going to talk today. Here's the title. Being a repentant church. A repenting church out of Luke 15. So jump into Luke 15. We're going to start off in verse 1. Verse 1 and 2 kind of sets the stage for the whole chapter. <clears throat> Let's get into it. Here we go. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So they're muttering, the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttering because Jesus is eating with and, and welcoming in sinners and tax collectors. Now tax collectors and sinners were a whole class of people. We talked about this last week. They were the low life. Some of them were uh, later on, we, you know, it's, they're prostitutes we see in Luke. These are the types of people, the scoundrels of the time, the riffraffs. The addicts, the liars, that's who Jesus was hanging out with. And, and that word for welcome, that word for welcome is, 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 is a Greek word. Um, I'm going to try to say prosdekomai, prosdekomai. And what it means is like, it's not this passive where, you know, Jesus is like, yeah, I guess if they want to come in, I guess I got to tolerate them. It was like this eager anticipation, like eagerly welcoming them in. Like, yes, you're here. That same word was used to refer to people who were eagerly waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Like, yes, it's coming soon. That's what Jesus was doing. He was eagerly longing for and waiting for, with great anticipation, these tax collectors and prostitutes and scoundrels to come and have a meal with him. That's Jesus. That's what he does. And if you're here and you're in one of those groups I mentioned earlier, you're the skeptic, you're distracted, you're filled with shame. You've got this hidden sin. You need to know Jesus is waiting eagerly with great anticipation to welcome you in. Now the Pharisees and, tax, uh, Pharisees and religious leaders, they didn't like that. Because what that was doing was diminishing their hard work. They had memorized the Torah. They were trying to obey the Torah. And here's Jesus like, oh, you guys can come in too, even though you don't have the religious resume of those guys. So they were getting angry. They were criticizing Jesus for it. And so Jesus responds to their criticism with three back-to-back -back parables. And I summarized the first two last week. Basically, one's about a lost sheep goes missing. The other one's about a coin that goes missing. In both cases, people go out looking for them, in search of them. And when they find the sheep, when they find the coin, they celebrate. And Jesus' point, that's what heaven does when one lost son or daughter comes home to the Father. Heaven celebrates. And then Jesus launches into his third parable. So again, we're going to look at it, only the first half of it, and we're going to zero in on the, 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 the younger brother. So, so, so join me here. Verse 11. Jump down to verse 11 if you have your Bibles. 
So Jesus continues. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. A father has two sons. The younger son's a selfish little jerk who basically is like, Dad, I want to pretend like you're dead and live my life as if you're dead. I can get my inheritance now. This would be an absurd request. No father in his right mind would grant this request in this time. This kid would get a beating for asking for this. But the father, in Jesus' parable, does the unthinkable. It says he divided his property between them, between the two sons. That word for property is a, a word bios, kind of where we get bios or, you know, think biology. It means life. He divi- the idea is he divided his life, his, his estate. All his money, everything was wrapped up in land and property, right? I mean, they didn't have the 401k. So he, he divided up his life. He let, he let his life be broken up for the sake of this son's selfish request. It would be absurd. Jesus' listeners would be like, what? What father does that? He divided up his life. Keep going. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Squandered his wealth in wild living. So he goes off and he wastes the money. He doesn't invest it. He doesn't save it. He doesn't start a business. He doesn't even give it away with a generous heart. He wastes it in wild living, partying and drinking and women and whatever else wild living entailed in that time. Now, before we judge him, let me ask a question. What was this younger son after? Think about it. Fun, freedom, joy, fulfillment. Yeah, he, was, he, he wanted to enjoy his life. And naturally, that's what we all want. We all want to find fulfillment in life. We want joy. We want freedom. This young son thought that he could find it separated from his father. You and I naturally do the same thing. We think we can find fulfillment, joy, fun, freedom separated from God. We all naturally do that. We look for it in all kinds of things. Some of us, we look for it in maybe immoral activities, living promiscuous lives, or, or drinking too much, substance abuse. Others of us do it by taking something that's neutral and abusing it. Video games, perhaps. Netflix. A hobby. And then still others, we look to things that we even get celebrated for by society. Building a business. Being workaholics. Making money getting good grades. We pour our lives into that, get obsessed with that because we think that's where I'm going to find my life, my joy, my fulfillment. It's what we all naturally do. But eventually, they don't satisfy. They might satisfy for a moment, right? They might satisfy for a moment, but eventually they let us down because none of those things are permanent. None of those things can last. They're temporary. They're superficial Eventually, storms come. And the, when the storms come, those things cannot sustain our joy. Happened with this younger son. Look what Jesus said. After this guy spent everything, there was a famine, a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. 
He spends everything. A famine comes. There's no food. Now he's in need. Famines come. Storms come. Layoffs come. Anybody? You get that dream job and then a layoff comes a few years later. You build that dream house and then Hurricane Sandy knocks it down. The band breaks up. Whatever we're looking to, eventually a storm in life comes. The high runs out. The drug wears off. So what does this kid do? Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now for Jesus' audience, they were Jewish, this would be significant. Because they didn't even eat pork, let alone work in a, in a, in a you know, feeding trough feeding the pigs. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So he, he's, he's, it's not even a question of eating the pigs. He's just trying to eat the pig's food, and he can't get to it. This is, a, this, is, this is the bottom of the barrel for this guy. This is the epitome of misery. Think about what's happened to this kid. He ran off looking for fun, fulfillment, and freedom, and now he's stuck in a pig pen, miserable. Ever happened to you? Anybody? Looking for fulfillment, ending up in a feeding trough, <laughs> in a pig pen. Sometimes we end up in this place of misery because what we're chasing after falls apart. Sometimes we end up in this place of misery because we get every single thing we want and realize it's not enough and we feel more hopeless than we started off as because we got nothing more to chase. Nothing left to chase. So it's like, well, now what? I got nothing else to look forward to. I got everything I want, and I'm still miserable. See, we can find joy apart from God for a moment. The thing is, it's counterfeit. It's monopoly money. It, 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 it's, it's a moment. There's a moment where it's like, ah, this is good. But it's counterfeit. It dissolves. It leads to loneliness and despair and regret. A friend of mine recently told me about how they were, um, they had the opportunity, forgive me for not putting out a warning for younger kids. My younger kids are in here actually today. Um, but they, they were talking about how they had an opportunity to have a, like, a one night stand hookup with somebody that they were attracted to, but they realized that, um, so they were basically being honest. They were like, on one hand, it would have made me happy for a moment. On the other hand, it would have led to overwhelming despair and regret later on. So it's not that, you know, it's not us being phony and admitting, you know, pretending like running off and squandering my life in wild living is not going to be fun. It could be fun for a moment. It's just, is it worth the pain and the misery and the, you know, living in the pig pen afterwards? Is it worth that? Bottom line is that if it's not God's way, it's counterfeit joy. If it's outside of God's presence, if it's apart from God's presence, it's going to be a counterfeit joy. It won't ultimately satisfy. So this boy realizes it. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, more literal translation might be, he came to himself. When he came to himself, when he came to his senses, when he, when he was able to see himself for who he really was, <laughs> foolish and pathetic, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. 
So he's broken, he's helpless, he's foolish, he's rebellious, he sees it all in himself. He says, what have I done? Maybe if I go back to my father, I know I'm not worthy to be his son, but maybe I can just start to work as a hired servant. This is the beginning of repentance for him. He sees himself as he really is. That's what repentance requires. We come to see ourselves as we really are apart from God. Pathetic, foolish, self-deceived, trying to love ourselves, but ending up hurting ourselves in the long run. We, we, We see it. It requires us to be able to see it. Let's keep going. But while he was still a long way off, Let that sink in for some of you. While you are still a long way off, a mess, have no idea how you're going to clean your life up, while you are still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father saw him While he was a long way off. Some of you need to know the Father sees you. He sees you. He sees you where you are. Some of you a long way off. And he's waiting with eager anticipation. With open arms. He has every right to condemn all of us. He's a rightful judge. He has every right to condemn all of us. But he doesn't want any of us to stay perishing in a pig pen. He doesn't want us to perish eternally in the eternal pig pen apart from him. He is waiting to shower us with compassion, throwing his arms around us. We take a step towards him. He comes running while we're a long way off. Sun shows up. Verse 21, son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. So he confesses the truth. Repentance means we confess without excuses or blaming. That's, that's a good place where the son's at. He, he just confesses. I've sinned against heaven and against you. He doesn't try to, he doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say, dad, you know, I was going through a hard time back then. This girl just broke up with me and you know, you know how I get into my tizzies. You know, I wasn't thinking. He doesn't make those excuses. Nor does he blame he doesn't blame anybody else. He doesn't blame the older brother. He doesn't even blame the father. You know, he doesn't say, Dad, if only you had hugged me more when I was a kid, I wouldn't have ended up like that. It's your fault. I, I, I went to counseling. And my counselor said, it's actually your fault. You owe me an apology for what I've done. He doesn't do that. He says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He's, he's, he's honest. We talk about being an authentic church. That's what it means. It's, it's humble authenticity. It's, man, I screwed up. I failed. I made a mess of my life. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, now I said this last week, it's so important. The father ignores him. This whole hired servant business, the father rejects that idea. Somebody asked after last week, uh, you know, they were confused about that part. I want to make it clear. The father does not accept his offer to be a hired servant. He doesn't accept that. He completely ignores it and he says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Whose robe is the best robe? It's the father's robe. 
It's an unmistakable sign of identity with the Father. The Father is covering him with his identity once again. Put a ring on his finger finger, and sandals on his feet. The, the ring would be a signet ring. It, it would be the family ring. You, you would, instead of uh, you know, signing contracts, you would take that ring and you would kind of stamp it. That's what they did in that time. So that's what this ring is. It's a sign that this kid, this selfish little brat, this pathetic little jerky kid, is not going to earn his way back to the family. He's not going to earn food and shelter. He is going to be brought back by the love of the father into the family. It's the father bringing him back in. It is the father's doing. And then the father says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. They began to party. They began to party. He was dead. He was separated from me. And now he's alive again. Jesus' point, this is what happens when we're separated from God. We are spiritually dead. And when we come back to the Father through faith in Jesus, who came down, stepped off the throne to die in our place, to pay the penalty for us, to be adopted back into the family, we are made spiritually alive by the Holy Spirit. We become alive to God. We were lost and we were found. And a party is thrown. Jesus' point to the religious leaders is that the posture of God's heart towards the broken and the rebellious and why Jesus was sent into the world in the first place is because the Father wants to bring these lost sons and daughters home. These are touchdowns for God in heaven. In other words, this is what matters to God. Lost sons and daughters coming home. This isn't peripheral. This isn't secondary. These are touchdowns in heaven. This is playoff time, right? If you're not a football fan, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You'll, you'll kind of get maybe beat up after service. But if you're not a football fan and, and you were, no, I'm kidding. And you were to go into like a bar or restaurant at this time and a game was on, you would, there'd be touchdowns getting scored and the people would be cheering. And if you're not a football fan, you'd be like, ah, I can't really enter into that. I can't really rejoice with you guys. I don't really understand what's going on. I don't really care what's going on. Well, Jesus' point to the religious leaders is like, that's you guys. You can't see what heaven is celebrating. These are touchdowns in heaven, and that's why I'm hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And as they're coming home, as younger brothers are coming home to the Father, heaven is throwing a party, and you guys can't enter in. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You don't care. You don't understand what touchdowns matter to God. This is why we make a big deal out of baptisms around here. This is why I want to encourage you guys, come on out for every baptism we have. Don't skip church on a baptism Sunday. I, I understand it with my sermons. You can skip for that. But a baptism, that's heaven rejoicing. We want to enter in. We, we don't want to be caught, in other words, rejoicing over something else while heaven's rejoicing over somebody getting baptized. You know what I mean? That's kind of a side note. Um, so the son comes home. The father throws his party. And now you and I get to hear this story and we get to go, oh, that's what the father's like. And the question is, do we trust that? Do we believe that that's what the Father is like, that he's going to celebrate when we come home, that, that when we take a step towards him, he comes running? Do we believe that? Repentance requires us to believe that God celebrates you coming back to him. He's not going to be mad and going, ah, you know what, you got to prove yourself. You better clean yourself up before you come to me. 
No, 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 no. While you're still a long way off, he comes running. He comes running. And we've got to believe that. We've got to believe that he's ready to throw a party for us. Repentance means we believe there's nothing to prove. You don't earn your way back. You don't promise to never do it again. You come back confessing, this is who I am, a sinner, rebellious, I've made a mess of my life, and it's receiving the grace offered through Jesus. He paid it all in our place. That's why he died. He paid it all. He lived the perfect life. He died in our place. He proved himself on our behalf. So we come to God the Father in the name of Jesus. So when I say we're to be a repentant church, to summarize, it does not mean we're to say to each other, shape up, do better, try harder. It means, bottom line, repentance means turning from counterfeit joy offered by the world and turning to the Father's offer of lavish, compassionate grace. It's turning from this, going, this is not working, and turning back to, God, I trust that you, you, you know better. Your presence is better. Your kingdom is better. I want in on that. And Jesus made a way for me to do that. Repentance is both a one-time action for salvation and also a daily choice once we've been saved. Let me, let me, let me explain that real quick. One-time action. If you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've been separated from God, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you have all these questions about who he is, then repentance means turning from and turning to him. When I was 19, that's what I did. I had, I mentioned those categories earlier, the skeptic, the distracted, the ashamed. I was the distracted. I knew about Jesus. I had the story in the back of my head. My parents did a great job teaching me that. But it was on the back burner. I was distracted pursuing life, fun, freedom, happiness in other things. I had a dream to be a filmmaker in LA, girls partying, that kind of stuff. And when I was 19, everything just fell apart. I ended up in a little bit of a pig pen. Trouble with the courts and no money and sleeping on a cockroach infested apartment. Things hopping on me at night. Roommate stealing from me. I was just like, what am I doing? One day I was just like, what am I doing? God, I do not know how to run my life. I said, Jesus, I have believed in you since I was a kid, but I'm ready to make you the Lord of my life. That was the one-time moment of repentance, of turning to him, saying, my life is yours. My life was, and things changed in an instant internally. And then gradually my whole life was flipped upside down, one area after another. That might be some of you here today where God's like, hey, this is your one-time moment of repentance tonight. You're going to turn to him. You're going to turn to Jesus. You're going to give your life to him. This night, January 23rd, 2022, you write it down in your phone, Bible, get a tattoo. This is the night that I turned to Jesus. This was that one-time moment of repentance for me. But then others of us, it's a, it's a lifestyle. Once we've been saved, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something daily that we have to say every day. There's, there's these check engine lights that go off in my soul, frustration, anger, anxiety, sometimes big time and sometimes low grade. And those are invitations to repent because something is becoming too important. 
something I'm looking to for joy and fulfillment, even in moments, the situation where I was anxious about this past week and I was, I was wrestling with it and I was like thinking like, okay, wh what am I making too important here? That's what we kind of try to ask our kids when they're fighting with each other and they're flipping out. They're like, what are you making too important? The remote control, the phone, whatever. So for me, I had to ask the same question. What am I making too important? And then I had to say, I don't need to have control over this situation right now in order to be fulfilled. God, you're in control of all things. I'm going to rest in you. So I'm going to turn from trying to control this and turn to resting in you. That's, that's, that's repentance. It's not a bad thing. It's an invitation. We get to repent. We get to live a lifestyle of repent. Repent simply means I'm going to turn to that which is going to give me the most joy. I'm going to turn back to that which is going to give me the most fulfillment. We get to repent every day. So we want to be a repenting church. Authentic and honest about where we're at and where we're struggling. So that we can turn from whatever that is and turn back to the Father. And if you're here and you're been a Christian for a while, but there's an area of your life, you know, one of those areas I mentioned, the, the envy, trying to control something, bitterness, unforgiveness, you get to repent. You get to grant that forgiveness to that person instead of clinging to your sense of justice, trusting God to be the God of justice. Instead of being envious of what somebody else has and being down about it, you get to repent and go, God, I believe that you are sovereign over my life. You know what's good for me. You're after my good. I'm going to rest in what I have and not what I don't have. I think as a church, it means we get really good at apologizing. We get really good at apologizing. Being authentic means we're going we're gonna to see ourselves as we are. And some of what we are is offensive to other people. And so when we're in conflict, we get good at apologizing. We get good at saying, listen, I'm sorry. I wasn't trusting God with this, and it led to me acting this way towards you. When we talk about being an authentic church, we do not mean that kind of proud, like, I am who I am, deal with it. That's, that's worldly authenticity. We want to be humble. We're like, this is who I am, and I'm so sorry you have to deal with it. <laughs> I'm so sorry you have to deal with it sometimes. I got these weaknesses. God's, a, God's, God's growing me, but I'm sorry that it affects you sometimes. So, one-time moment. For some of us, perhaps tonight, and I think for all of us, there might be something, something that we need to repent of, turn back to God with. Before we reflect on this and call the band back up, I want to show a video. It's our first video story highlighting what God did. Every year we shoot a few videos highlighting what God did the previous year. This is the first one. This one's a story of Brina, Brina Book. So we're going to dim the lights and we're going to play this video. So in 2021, God really redid my life. He saved me, he healed me, he gave me a church community, saved me from addiction, and he gave me a fiance. <laughs> Prior to 2021, at least like six months up to that, I was going through a lot of like grief. My mom passed away in that, that July 2020 pretty quickly. It was like we didn't really know what was happening, so that was really hard on me. And then a couple weeks later, I was diagnosed with cancer, 
And that was even, made my life even darker, a lot of dark thoughts. I didn't really have much hope. All the while I was also in school getting my master's, I was trying to student teach and do a lot of things while trying to juggle just like staying healthy and alive. I was really like questioning like, if, you know, if there is a God, like what's going on, you know? Um, angry, pretty angry, blaming him, like confused as to why there was so much pain and, and sickness in me. And then um, just being confused about life and my purpose here. For years, since like middle school, I struggled a lot with drinking, partying, drugs, um, and that just grew and grew and grew. And when my mom passed, it really was like at its peak of, you know, and that's what she struggled with too. That's how she passed away. So it was really like a like a wake up moment for a little, like a probably like a day or so. Like wow, like I saw my mom really struggle my whole life with addiction, but I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get I couldn't get rid of it myself. It was like my coping. Um, it was like my fulfillment at the time of like I need something to just you know kind of numb everything that I'm going through. Thinking back right now in this moment where almost a year ago, um, a lot of situations where people were trying to share the gospel with me, who Jesus was and that God is good, like God is good, you're okay. Um, and yeah, I wasn't having it at the time. My dance teacher hosted like a fundraiser for me when I first was diagnosed with cancer and someone gave her Jesus Calling, a devotional book. She gave it to me, wrote a little message in it, her phone number and everything, and I just didn't open it, didn't reach out. And then while I was in the hospital, I had multiple people praying over me, uh, calling me and praying for me and really making that effort to say, like to share that like listen like God can protect you you can be a child of God like he loves you um, and he heals and you need to believe that in the beginning of 2021 I ended up opening up that Jesus calling devotional and um, I think it's a really it was an awesome like just introduction it really just like flooded my heart with like wow like Jesus loves me and like I need to like accept that um, and I kind of wanted to look into it for myself so I had met someone at the time he got me a bible he re and we started going through the word and just and he was like just helping me and pointing me to like where like just to who Jesus is I guess the day that I found, I like found myself like praying, like, wow, this is just crazy. I was reading through the Bible. I don't remember exactly what, cause I was just so new to it all that I was kind of just like looking up verses and, and reading for myself, um, like a weight lifted. And I was like, wow, this is real. Like, this is real stuff. Like this is truth. And I need to, I need to know more. And I want this in my life. Like, I don't want this darkness anymore. I want light, I want truth, I want healing. I want to be forgiven. Just reading about how grace-filled God is, how forgiving he is, what Jesus did on the cross for me, like dying for me, so that all, like my addiction, the depression, my mom's death, anything I faced in the past, anything I'm gonna struggle with right now, in the future, it could, it's all covered by Jesus' blood. It was in that first month of 2021 where God revealed himself to me like fully, like after I feel like so many uh, knocks on the door like up to 2021 where I finally just let him in and I surrendered and, it, and he just really started like working in my heart from the inside out. After I started going to True Life Church, 
Um, we were at Bayhead Chapel at the time, and I met so many people. It was awesome. That was back in like the winter time. Uh, I started going to a young adults group on Wednesdays, and I just started to make friends and just have a bond with other believers. And that was awesome, having girlfriends and guys and friends just to be around where we could listen to music, like Christian music, worship music, which I'd never listened to before, and how powerful that was. And building just genuine friendships versus friends that, you know, I was drinking with, didn't really care about me as a person. Um, so that was something pretty quickly on. Like, I, I met some awesome people um, that, you know, really cared about me. I also, that desire to drink was gone like pretty it was like night and day like I, there's no other explanation for it like it was crazy I went from literally in December like struggling with drinking and just trying to stay sober knowing it wasn't good for me and you know just all that baggage but after I was saved it was pretty night and day of like I don't I woke up and like didn't even have that desire to drink and it was like crazy and I was very aware of it because those thoughts I've had since I was a kid that wasn't me like I didn't do it I didn't go to I didn't go to rehab I didn't do anything in 2021 it was like straight up night and day for that uh, and then all of 2021 uh, has just been full of healing full of healing uh, again physically with my cancer I got um, in I think it was May or April I think it was April. April, I went up, went for my checkup, and that was like the confirmation, like your cancer's gone, um, it hasn't come back, there's nothing left. Um, and the thing is, is I only got treated for my appendix and my colon. I didn't get treated for my hormone glands. I didn't do anything down there. And when I got scans and tests, it was, it was gone. Prior to it, the day before, I remember Matt, uh, my fiance had been uh, going to the prayer group on Thursdays, and he was praying a lot through that, asking people to pray over me, uh, his family, a lot of prayer, just a lot of putting my uh, my cancer in God's hands and just really resting in that. I had another checkup in October. There's no cancer in me, and <laughs> praise God, like it's crazy, like it's just awesome. Like I'm standing, I'm sitting here now, and I'm thinking, like last year I was like having some really like suicidal thoughts, like really dark. I was drinking and looking for fulfillment, really just bad things, selfish things. And um, I didn't see a way out of it. It wasn't until I was able to look at um, my relationship with Christ and say, wow, like he loves me. And like, that's my, that's my father. That's my, that's someone who's gonna protect me and love me uh, no matter what. Even if I do fall, stumble, sin, anything, like he's gonna forgive me and he's gonna love me more than anyone on this earth. My life has changed like crazy and just being like happy in any circumstance, it's like, that's not possible without God, it's not. If you are in a place where I was last year right now and you're struggling, you're anxious, depressed, whatever it is, and you're like just really in a dark spot, like know that there is one solution to, there's one solution. There's one solution, it's Jesus. It's Jesus' love, just really accepting him. Something that really opened my eyes and gave me like so much hope was knowing that like Jesus meets me where I'm at. You don't need to have your life figured out. Like Jesus meet, is gonna meet you there, you know? Like don't think you need to do some checklist prior. Um, 
or like revamp your whole life because he's gonna do that for you he's going to work on your in your in your heart first and then it's gonna flow out 